Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. everybody's having a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on Disruptive CEO Nation. This is Allison Kay, and we love to speak to company founders at all different stages of their business building. And today we have this wonderful founder who's going to tell us the story. They are right on the cusp of really getting to scale and, and go in a huge and grand way. And I love their product because it's centered around the way people live and behave and operate in the world today. And this is really around our cars, like our life on wheels. Um, and so without giving you any more information, I would love to introduce you to Kevin Condon, who can tell us all about his company and what they are up to. Thank you, Allison, and thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Pay by Car is an in-vehicle transaction company. So what that means is that people spend uh, well, just endless hours in their vehicles all the time throughout the year. And in America, they spend over $800 billion from their car. That would be certainly buying gas. That's the biggest chunk. Kevin, I'm going to ask you again. Say that number again, how much we spend over in our cars. Over $800 billion. And this is in the U.S. alone? In the U.S. alone. We oh, spend my six, goodness. $650 billion from in fueling, but it also includes things like probably $70 billion or more now with the pandemic in drive through food. Um, 30 billion maybe in curbside grocery pickup and then of course you know there's there's things like commercial parking and, and things like that but it all adds up to over 800 billion dollars that's the real in vehicle payment that doesn't mean you're doing it through your vehicle it doesn't mean you're doing something sophisticated you could be driving you know Fred Flintstone's vehicle and still be spending that money from your vehicle but that's the mar the market that we're trying to tackle and what we're trying to do is do it in a way that gets to the relationship that people have with transactions in their vehicle, paying by car. Um, and, and we're not trying to target just the new vehicles coming off the 2022 models that might have, you know, Visa cards embedded in the dashboard. We work with that too, but that's not our, what we're trying to do is for the average person out there who's in their car all the time, way too much and buying things. We're just trying to take all the friction out of what goes through when you have to buy something from your car. Yeah, and I'm thinking about me as a mother of three and all of those experiences I've had in my car, how this could make my life um, easier. So in the intro, I said we're capturing you at the beginning, at the cusp of scale. And what I want our listeners to know, I do love to recommend what the website is early on in the program. So if people want to take a peek and understand more about what we're talking about, it is mypaybycar.com. But we were talking about, uh, we have this wonderful privilege of speaking to you when you're at this, this point, this tipping point for scale. And we had this conversation about, um, you know, that on-scene part of being a business builder and being a founder before you really go public. So tell us a little bit about these, you referred it to as building the deep roots for your company. 
Yeah, I, I, I like to, I mean, people talk about companies being in a seed stage and they really are, I'm not a gardener, but I know that there are a couple of types of seeds and one type grows way down. The roots go down long before anything sprouts above the ground. And that's really what we are to get, this is a big idea. And to be able to identify vehicles at the, at the gas pump, for example, we need to partner with some pretty big guys. So one of the things we did early on before we had our first gas station set up, we spent, uh, endless hours negotiating this, but we got an agreement with the 17, or excuse me, the 18 states that represent EasyPass. And that's not a company, that's a coalition of state governments. And we went to them and we made a big proposal to them that let us do something that you've never done before. Let us use your toll transponders so that we can identify vehicles in non-toll places like gas stations or drive-through food. And, and, and we did that. And then once we had that in place, we then started talking to big retailers about piloting it and building it. And we've done all of that now. And, and now we're post-pilot and we're, we're beginning to have conversations and actually scale with certain, our first uh, uh, retailers in Massachusetts. And they just made the decision a couple of months ago to deploy this at all 30 of one of their brands in Massachusetts. So we're just beginning to do that. Do you find it difficult to, one, reach the right people that you wanted to speak to at the government level and then um, get them to embrace the pitch? Uh, to the first question, I don't find, I think people do find it difficult. I, I never have. I mean, to me, it's just, you, you know, you, you uh, don't say no for them. I mean, you know, there's a surprising interest in innovation in government. Now, I'll give you one example. I was sitting in my home on Cape Cod working on this idea, and uh, uh, NPR's show, Talk of the Nation, came on. It's a call-in show. And they said, our next guest is Ray LaHood, the Secretary of Transportation. And I thought to myself, I'm going to call him, and I'm going to ask him what he thinks of this idea. And this was before there was a pay-by-car company. And I did. I called them, and the, and the screener said, well, gee, that sounds awfully complicated. Can you say it in 15 seconds? And I lied and said, yes, I can. And next thing you know, I was on with uh, the Secretary of Transportation, a cabinet member, and I said, but here's this idea we have. What do you think of it? And he said, you know, I'd like to hear more about that. Could you follow up with my office? And when I went off the air, I called him back and said, you know, I don't really have his number. So could you have somebody follow up with me? And they did. And two weeks later, I was in Washington talking to somebody, you know, didn't get us any contracts. We weren't at that stage yet, but it got us some validation of the idea. And it got us some good feedback, really good feedback from this high level person in their research division. And, you know, I just think you do things like that. And you'll find that, you know, there are people in government who are very interested. I think I don't recommend going in through the usual channels of procurement and, and all of that thing as a small startup because I, I just, I think you get lost in that. Um, but I think that, you know, you just find creative ways to reach out to somebody and then take it from there. Well, and I think you said you said it right. Like, don't give them the reason for the, the no and get to the decision makers on an interesting, on an interesting level. I, I think those are really great pieces of advice. So now you have these relationships with these organizations that the governments that have the easy pass, and I'm assuming there's something in it for them, right? Running these transactions through their platforms. Well, actually, we're not running the, the transaction through their platform. We're just using the toll transponder as a means of identifying the vehicle. It's ah. a separate account. The payment does not go through them. They don't want to be in that business. They shouldn't be in that business. We don't want them to be in that business. But they're. But yeah, as far I was as, curious about that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. 
that's no, true. you don't want that. You don't want that. On the other hand, if you're trying to get consumers to adopt something, the only reason we went with toll transponders, we're not toll guys. The reason is that there's 65 million toll transponders out there and they're in highly desirable demographic corridors of the country. Um, so if you're just trying to get over a hurdle uh, of consumer adoption, that's one that you can pretty much get over if you're leveraging existing infrastructure that people already have and something they already know. Okay, I get it. If something would recognize my transponder. When somebody signs up and rolls, it's an opt-in program. When they sign up, they have a different account. It's a pay-by-car account, and, and it, it doesn't go through the Easy Pass or any other tool organization. So, Kevin, I, I just – I'm always so – curious as to my company founders, um, what was the original inspiration for this concept? Where did it come from? I was sitting in a traffic jam south of Boston trying to get to Cape Cod along with everybody else leaving Boston on a Friday afternoon. I'm creeping along the Southeast Expressway probably at five miles an hour and I'm looking around and I, I just had this random thought. I said, I wonder why the gas tax is a flat tax. And I started sort of thinking that through. I thought, I mean, it's, 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 it would be a wonderful device for the government to incent different types of vehicles to be adopted, but why don't they do that? Well, I learned a lot about the gas tax. And I learned, well, first of all, you'd have to do, there's lots of reasons they haven't done it. But one of them from a company standpoint is you have to be able to identify a vehicle at the point of sale. So I thought, okay, what would that take? And once I started doing that, I realized, okay, forget, forget that, you know, the gas tax thing, that's still a great idea. And someday the government maybe will do it. But it's a it's a wonderful idea for all those other things that people do, and you know I consider myself a pretty I follow Warren Buffett's advice about investing. Look for things that in your own life. Just look for things that make sense to you in your own life, and that's one of them. I mean I really hate all the friction that goes on with you get to a gas pump, you've got to pull out your wallet, you've got to figure out which card, then you got to swipe it, and then you're asked, is this a debit or a credit? And you answer that, and then you got to do your pin, and you wonder if somebody's skimming that information and stealing it. All of that is very complicated. Uh, same thing with just going through a drive-through. You do a drive-through and you've got to unbuckle your seatbelt and you've got to pull out your wallet and you, all of that complexity. And to me, it's just, why shouldn't it be as simple as, as you have it when you're paying a toll? Why couldn't it be that when you drive in, and that's how our system works, you drive in at the gas station, you get a text saying you're buying gas today, just tell us the pump number. You put in the pump number, you're done. The pump is active when you get out of the car. You're not asked to swipe a card or swipe or insert a card. No pin, no zip. At the end of it, you're not asked, do you want a paper receipt? And yes or no, none of waiting for it to print. That's all electronic. It cuts probably, I think we figured it cuts about 80 seconds off a four minute transaction. That's a lot of time, 80 seconds in that it, kind of It is when you're in a place like Chicago, when it's minus five. <laughs> That's, a, that's really important. One, one, one of the women that was interviewed as part of it, when we did our first launch, a lot of four TV stations from Boston came out and covered it, and they were interviewing a woman who was just buying gas. And the first thing she said was, oh, man, this will be very helpful in the wintertime here. You know, So, I mean, that's true. People, that's how you have to, I think, you have to look at what the consumer solution is. And is it something that just fits and makes sense to, the, to your average person? Well, Kevin, and I... I what you say, looking at what the, the solution is that the consumer needs, and this is why I wanted to speak with you, is I love speaking with people who are, are disrupt, disrupting things in a way that maybe we didn't think about, or maybe that we've rolled our eyes and thought about in the back of our head, but, but haven't stepped forward and brought the solution. I mean, why not? I can go into an Amazon store, load my cart, and walk out. Same and, concept. and have that transaction. So why not? Because I got to tell you, I spent a lot more time going to the gas pump than I would 
ever spend walking into an Amazon store. People go to the gas pump once a week on average, about 60 times a year. And, and, and it takes about four or five minutes because it's, you, know, you still have to pump the gas. You're standing there doing that one thing. And, and it's, it, people do, I mean, if you're a commuter, you probably go in through a Starbucks in the morning, a drive-through on your way, and you might go you know, through some drive-through on your way home to pick up stuff or a curbside grocery. People are doing, especially since the pandemic, people are doing a lot from their cars and it's friction filled. And, you know, I do see a lot of media coverage since the pandemic, especially, but there's been coverage of, of in-vehicle payments, but it's coming from the, the front end of this, the, you know, the, the leading edge, the highly sophisticated new models that come out. So 2022 vehicles or 2021 vehicles, and they've got really elegant embedded Visa cards in their dash pay system. And that to us, that makes a lot of sense. But the average car in the road today is 12 years old. And the and and every year maybe you know there's about 270 million vehicles on the road, and of that maybe 15 to 17 million new vehicles a year get sold. So you can see that the fleet turnover is really pretty slow. And so our goal is isn't to say here's where we will here's where everybody will be in two, in 2030 everybody will have a George Jetson car. Our goal is to say here's the cars that people have today get them used to this pay by car approach, which is seamless and frictionless. And when they buy a new car and they say, hey, I used to use my bank debit card, but now I have a Volvo Visa card or I have an Audi Visa card. Well, that's fine to us. That's just okay, just switch on your account. That's the card you want to charge to. Doesn't change what we're doing. Well, and I, we often talk about technology the, the challenge with technology is the digital divide and what's available to different people by by classes. And so what I like about your solution is, you know, everybody has a, has a cell phone. I live in Chicago. Everybody in Chicago has a transponder. And, and so it's not a barrier by social class to have access to this technology. I mean, as as much as I can make a blanket kind of statement. And that's what I right. like about the disruption. Right. It is, I mean, it, it is, it's a very small D democratic solution. It's not something that you don't have to be an early adopter to do this. It's something that, you know, your, your, your grandparents could easily do. Um, you know, I, I had somebody actually tell me the other day that their, their father who's in his eighties said, Hey, I saw this thing on the Boston you know, news that there's this easy pass thing. Well, you know, it's not an easy pass thing, but that's okay. He yeah. said, I can, I can buy gas with that now. And his son was telling me, but he said, I, yeah, I know the founder. It's a, yeah, you should do that dad. You know, I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's gold to hear that kind of response because that means that we're resonating with the, with the least technically sophisticated of the population. And if you, if you do that, you'll get everybody else, everybody else. Will yeah, let's talk about your go-to market strategy because um, right now you said, like I said, we're, 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 we're on the cusp of talking to you at, at this, at this massive scale that you're about to start, um, you know, proceeding with. And so is your go-to market strategy right now, this thought that if I can get the retailers the customers will automatically come or are you taking a strategy where you're going to start marketing in a way so that the customers are walking into the retailers saying why don't you have this 
We're actually we're doing both. I mean, it really is, and that that's probably the highest challenge that we have. It really is, in some ways, a two-sided marketplace. We're doing things to to lower the hurdles in in each of those sides. So that's why we went to Easy Pass because of the 65 million transponders I mentioned, 45 million of them are through the Easy Pass states, including Illinois. So that's you know that's why we went in that direction. Having said that, we also think that we need to reach out to the consumers directly. So there are a couple things on that. One is I think the media is a pretty good proxy um, for consumer interest because, you know, they get bombarded with tech stories all the time and they don't run them all. I mean, they, they'll pick and choose which ones they do. We've got an exceptional coverage for just a little, I mean, a, a pre-revenue startup where we got this thing going two years ago and we have four TV stations from Boston. We've got a lot of national media coverage and that's all just saying, hey, here's kind of a cool thing. And that's really that easy pass. What people the reporters say, oh, I, got, I have a transponder, I get that. What would that be? And, and that, that gives you a lot of earned media, which is very helpful in getting the word out. The other part of it is working with enrollment partners like the retailers, but also companies like, you know, we're part of a, a large credit union's FinTech Innovation Hub. It's, a, it's the uh, credit union called DCU, Digital Credit Union. It's the legacy credit union from the old Digital Corp. And they have uh, 400,000 members in, in Massachusetts. And so we, you know, we're part of their innovation hub when we were two years ago. And so we're leveraging relationships like that to reach out through other companies to their consumer customers too. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Now, Kevin, you founded other companies and you have actually a lot of experience behind you. But even though you have all of that experience, it's a little um, uh, scary or... Um, unsettling some days to be leading a startup? Um, I don't think it's unsettling. Well, actually it probably is unsettling. I don't think <laughs> it's, I don't think it's scary. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not your stereotypical startup guy. So if I walk into an angel network event, you know, <laughs> I, I look, I look much more like one of their older angels than I do one of the startup entrepreneurs coming in to pitch them. And, and, you know, for an old white guy, that's actually been very instructive for me because it gives me a tiny taste of what it's like to not be the person who's the default setting. I'm not the default setting in the startup world. And I get that. Um, but I don't, you know, the rest of it is to me, it's just, it's, it's, I see something that I wanted to get done and I've done, I, I, you know, I spent some time in politics a hundred years ago during a desegregation case in, in New York and, and people said, oh, that must've been terrible, including my wife. And I said, I loved it. I mean, it, it was something new, it was something different. And, and, and you, if you have a high sense of personal efficacy, I guess I would say, if you think you're capable of affecting change, then it's, it's not as scary if you, you know, and, and if you're also prepared at the end of the day to, to fail and say, you know what, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be dancing, but if you fail and you say, you know what, life goes on. I mean, you know, I, 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 it didn't work out, but I'll go do something else until you get to a certain age, at which point you stop saying you'll do something else. <laughs> <laughs> so well, let's talk about the money. Um, because the money is always key either in getting the technology developed um, or doing rapid scale. So, so tell our listeners how you approached this money piece. Yeah, we, uh, that's a good question. We, we, we actually approached it. You know, I guess there are probably a couple of ways that you can raise money. You can go out and get promises for the money and make a contingent and whatnot, getting all the money, and then you don't do anything until you get all the money. And the other way is to raise and, and build, raise and build, raise and build. And that's what we did. We, so, all of this that we built, all the contracts, all the relationships, all of that stuff, 
all of the product that we built, the tech stack, all of which is done. Um, you know, we did for under with a with a two million dollar seed round that we raised over a number of years. Um, so that's how we've approached that. Now, if you want to talk about the scary part as an entrepreneur, that's probably the scariest part because you're always seeing the ground come up and you. Everybody talks about how they wish they could just stop raising money and go focus on building their company. And I'm right in that camp. I mean, if I never had to raise any more money, I'd have much, much more time to spend doing the part that's really fun. Um, but you have to raise the money. And and if you're raising it from the right people, you get a lot of good feedback and a lot of good input beyond just them cutting a check, which we've been fortunate to have. No, thank you for sharing that. What would be your advice to um, other entrepreneurs who are getting underway? I would I would say that uh, first of all, um, you know, vet the idea with people you trust. But once you know, don't be surprised if you get a lot of discouraging comments on it. And as long as you know, if you look at those comments and you take them at at, at what for what they're worth, uh, and if they're right, perhaps you're not, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you think that they might be wrong and they just don't get something, go for it. I mean, just go out, out and do it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, asked a, I asked a very good advisor of mine way back a long time ago when I was like the 30-year-old the, the entrepreneurs. I, I had this idea and I ran it by him. And he said, how old are you? And I think I said 30 or something. And he said, uh, you're, you're young enough to go make a couple. You're young enough to make three more mistakes. He said, go make one. <laughs> that was his advice. So, I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're at the front end of your career, yes, your risk ratio is, is your appetite for risk should be greater. Um, but if you're at the other end of your career and you, you know, you're, you're not having to put the kids through college now, then that's a great time to start things too. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. What is the story going to be if we come back and talk to you in another three to five years? I mean, you throw out these huge numbers, but but what is the plan for the way that you're going to scale? Are you, you said you're going to stick to major markets where? Um, easy passes already exist? Uh, no, I mean, I think that's where we start. But the mm -hmm. idea is to be able, to, this doesn't need a toll transponder. There's, a, I won't bore you with all the tech deta details, but there's something called a 6C tag, which is about the size of a decal you put on a file folder. Mm -hmm. It goes on your windshield. People use it for corporate parking, car wash, loyalty programs. Yes. That works too. So you don't have to do this in a tolling state. The idea for a tolling state though, is that they tend to be along the corridors where people are in their cars the most and where they're spending um, you know, they're spending the most money from their cars. Um, so if in three to five years, I think I would hope that we are at that point in thousands of locations, not a handful of locations. Uh, we have in our pipeline uh, retailers that were already in serious discussion with not, not just the two that we're working with that would take us to probably 80% of where we would need to be in five years for our wildest projection. You know, you have your good, better, best uh, projections that you make. So we're in, I think we're in pretty good shape there. The challenge will be seeing if we can get the consumers in now a very busy, cluttered environment, um, you know, where every local deli has curbside pickup now. So there's, there's a lot more noise in that space now. Yeah. But I think our hook is pretty good. It's like, look, this is very simple. We're not at no app. You don't have to download an app. You can just, if you have a if you have a transponder, great. If you don't, great. We'll give you one of these little stickers. And and all you need after that is a smartphone, which 99% of the people have, and your and a payment card, whatever you want to use. I mean, however, you know, whether it's a wallet or a debit card or you know credit card, whatever. Put that up there, and you're good to go. 
Kevin, I think you had me at, at it doesn't take an app. I don't want to put another app on my phone. You know, uh, that was something that we decided a few years ago. We had a couple of different people said, please consider appless solutions. There's an app fatigue coming. People are tired of apps. There's just, there's so many apps on their phone. And that's frankly part of the problem that retailers have with their own loyalty apps. Mm -hmm. You know, you pull in and say, oh my God, this is a Starbucks. So you're flipping nothing against Starbucks apps. It's a great app, but you still have to scale, you know, flip, 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 flip. And do I have a, is that the Starbucks app and open that up? Oh no, I'm at a McDonald's, where's their app? The idea for pay by cars, what if you could just have this work you know, like a toll does, you know, where you just say, okay, when I, when I drive through a toll in New Hampshire, it recognizes my thing. I don't have to do anything. When I drive through a toll in New York, it's the same thing. I don't have to do anything. And that's the idea is to make it universal and, and, and truly seamless and almost invisible for the- uh, for Kevin, the you make me so excited. And again, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I love these disruptions to lifestyle solutions and lifestyle, not as in a luxury brand lifestyle, but, but as you said, the small D, the, the lifestyle for everybody. And, and again, as, as a, a parent who's had all those kids in the car and, you know, like, I just don't want to get out and have to go into a store um, for more of your senior citizens. You know, like I even see this, Kevin, like I want to drive through my prescription pickup drive through window and same thing. I just want the pharmacy to know I am there and just exactly. hand me my bag and charge my money and let me pull away. So I see so many applications once you get rolling. Well, so I mean, we were in a meeting with a credit union in Massachusetts about partnering with us. And, and one of their executives came up with a use case that we hadn't thought of, that we weren't looking to put it at credit unions. But one of these guys said, uh, he said to the uh, CEO, he said, you know, what if we had this at our drive through ATM you know, lanes here at the at the branches, that people wouldn't have to get their thing out. What if we could do multi-factor authentication without them having to reach over? You know, which is it seems to me ATM drive-throughs are always a little too far away from where <laughs> your car is. Yeah. You know, you feel like you should have one of those accordion arms on your car, and and so that was a great idea. And and it, I mean, the ideas are really endless. I mean, it really just comes down to very basic stuff. How do you live your life from your car, and how could you take all the friction out of it? Well, Kevin, I so appreciate you taking your time to share the story with us um, about Pay by Car and where you are as a business builder um, in the the life cycle and the journey that your company is on. If people want to know more, how can they find out more about Pay by Car and also uh, reach out to you? Well, they can reach out to the company just through uh, uh, mypaybycar.com. Uh, that's the simplest way. And they can do the, uh, um, they can reach me by going to uh, just my email address, kcondon at mypaybycar.com. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, always, always appreciate the gift of time of our guests. So to our, our listening audience, if Kevin shared something in his story that you think somebody else needs to hear. Please share this episode. Tell people about the, the great work his company is doing. If there is a disruptive and innovative CEO that you think I should speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until we speak again, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Kevin, thank you again. Thank you, Allison. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.